It's time for another classic album on Greatest Hits. But once again, we're bending the rules slightly. Why? Because I can. And it's going to be a classic artist presented to us by my special guest, Mr. Dick or Dickie Best You Can Choose. Which would you rather have? Richard. Fine, we can posh. Dickie, lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Mark. For those of you who don't know him, he's been around on the Isle of Man a while. There's been fish and chip shops, there's been restaurants, there's been building. But as far as I'm concerned, given that Davy Knowles is currently in uh, Chicago or somewhere, you're the best blues guitarist on the Isle of Man. Well, I wouldn't say that, but... I've just said it. Um, OK, well, I'll listen then. <laughs> I, I'll put Davy over there, because he's a bit special. He is a bit special. No, welcome. 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 It's lovely Thank to you. have you here. So who are you going to choose for us? I mean, given the, you, your wealth of knowledge on the subject, I'm guessing it's going to be blues. Well, it, it has to be, because since I was five, six, my father had um, a connection with Bruntingthorpe Aerodrome, which was an American base, and he used to bring back Chuck Berry, Muddy Waters albums and stuff that were, were given. If he gave them a fillet steak, they'd give him whatever he wanted, really. Um, so he came back and we played those, as well as There's a Moose Loose About This Hoose. They'd be you know, those famous Americans. And that suddenly, I don't know what it was, it was just the cordant cry of blues. Yeah. And it's been there ever since. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's been around, I want to say, 100 years, probably just about that genre, going back, certainly back to the 1920s. Well, it's the oh. 1850s, really. When, really? Yeah, when the slavers were still in slavery, that's the music they sang, and it evolved, didn't it? They had one-string guitars, and then... As they got free, um, they developed the fact of being able to buy a, a proper six-string, and they did the blues that they did. And they were m mostly wailing songs, as they would have done in their home countries of Africa and whatever. So does that mean that the blues always has to be a bit miserable? Uh, I'm afraid it does. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, a I think, yeah. it, well, it's plaintive, isn't yeah. it? And there's joy in, in plaintive because it allows you to release your emotions. Yeah, there's an awful lot of people turn to this genre. I'm, I'm thinking in British terms, the Brits in the '60s took more interest in the blues than the Americans were. Or certainly, the white Americans were. True, and they sort of almost put it back into America. They did, they did, but they they electrified it, lifted yeah. it, and put more of a backbeat four on the floor, and that got people's feet tapping. And as you know, if your feet tap, people dance, and if people dance, they're happy. And if they're happy, they'll buy your record and Rolling Stones, The Who, all of them. Yeah. All of them. Right, let's name the artist you've chosen. Robert Cray. Now, Robert Cray. He's not uh, that old in terms of blues. I mean, he's 60-something. Sort of 65. And he's played with everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Howling Wolf, Muddy Waters. Um, he was a, a baby when he was playing with them. But he was because of his skills on guitar, he was invited in. Um, and that developed his love of the blues. And what makes him stand out for you? His voice. Um, he plays the guitar like nobody else. In his way of playing, he uses a telly or a Stratocaster. Um, he always plays it out of phase with a bit of chorus. And he just plays it like almost like a rock star jazz come blues man. Amazing.
And he is loved, adored by so many of the hugely, big, big names. Respected. Not just the people, but the, the big people, the, the yeah, names out yeah, there. Massively respected artists. Well, let's start us off on this journey. Uh, it's a song I've heard you play, Mr. Best, that we're going to start with. You, might, uh, you do a good job <laughs> oh, on this one. Oh, can I remember it? Um, <laughs> well, Phone Booth, which was probably is on his first album. Uh, was it his second album? And I, I heard it the first time, and there was Jimmy Pugh, who plays keys, was wafting away underneath the sort of percussive strike of, of, of Robert Cray's guitar, and it's got a groove in it that's very special. I'm in a phone booth, baby Number scratched on the wall I'm in a phone booth, baby Number scratched on the wall I'm new in Chicago Got no one else to call Been walking all day Old friends I can't find Hawks so cold Had to buy me some wine Calling you baby Took my very last
greatest hits on Manx Radio with me, Mark Tiley, and my special guest all this week, uh, Lord Richard Best. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Dickie Best, Dick Best. We've got so many names for you. Uh, we'll just stick with a few of those. Uh, thank you for coming on. No, pleasure. And Absolute you, pleasure. And we've let you bend all the rules because we don't care. It's not a featured album this week. It's a featured artist because it's just the way it is. And you've gone for... Robert Cray, and we'll talk more about him in a moment. Let's go back to you arriving on the Isle of Man. Did you think when you got here that uh, you'd carry on musically, or were you immersed in your day job? Well, I did. I, I restarted because I, well, I lived in London uh, for about seven years, and I used to busk uh, made of L tube station, and there were some very nice uh, conductors and ticket collectors that liked the blues. And I played with a pal of mine called Al Richardson, who'd got a great voice, was a good guitarist. And I played harmonica and sang. And we collected a few pints of bitter on the way. And that's how it started. Yeah. Uh, then when I, I sort of let it go because I got married and had children and so work got in the way. Um, I moved to the Isle of Man in 85 and met a man called Claude Jonathan Butler, who plays guitar, a good friend of mine. And he got me going again. We had a blues club at the Bayview Hotel in Port St Mary. And that's when we started again. And it just sort of grew from there. A lot of people will have seen you with the Big Wheel Blues Band yeah. uh, for many, many years. Was that right at the beginning of the festival? Were you, were you involved right at the start No, of not, not initially. Dave Wade was a mate. Um, he started it and he, he, he was the doyen. And he was well organised and ran it extremely well. Then it was passed on to varying people, Chris Lefevre, and then Pete Christian, John Barker, Tim Cass, Jono, uh, myself, oh, John, uh, um, yeah. took it over. And I joined the, them when Dave McLean had his accident and they needed somebody else to fill in for him because he didn't want to go down that road anymore. And I, I went, had an audition and I played three notes and he said, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right too. Whatever. Quite yeah. right too. Yesterday, when we were talking about Robert Cray's talent, you you zoomed in on the voice as well as the guitar, mm. the complete package. Yeah. And do you think for a blues artist that it really is important to have both things going? To be complete, B.B. King was that bell-like operatic blues singer, and they used to call them blues shouters. Mm. And uh, Howling Wolf had a very similar, but Howling Wolf had a crack in his voice that everybody remembers. If you have got that ability, because Robert Cray can go falsetto or he can go basso profundo. I wasn't showing off there, but it, he just has that I'm ability. I'm with you. I think, yeah. I think I'm with him. <laughs> got the book out. He just has that ability. So, and he can sing loud and he can belt it or he can sing soft. Uh, uh, but it's all within that feel. And he's just got that little edge on his voice as well, which is very special. Not many can do it. Because I was thinking out of the new boys, I call them new boys, Joe Bonamassa and co. Um, Joe's voice took a lot of time to develop. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd decided he wasn't going to sing. He always has singers along with yeah, him. But yeah. there's very few who don't sing and front it. Yeah, well, really. John, John Mayer, um, who was a fan, obviously, uh, and still is a fan of Robert Cray's, he's got a, a, a lilting voice, but he doesn't have the drive that Robert Cray's got. So he turned away from the blues because he started off as a blues jazz guitarist. Um, then he started singing. But, the, you know, it's, he is a, a great artist, but he doesn't have the full range that Robert Cray has. Let's get on to our second track of the week. 
Robert Cray. Uh, what have we got tonight? I wonder. It just highlights his ability to sing a moving, caring song uh, and play blues. Peter Greenish, but with Robert Cray's style. I really wonder 
what an artist. We'll talk some more about him in a wee while. Uh, we, at the beginning of the week, I mentioned that educated young white boy gets into blues. It's a common thread if you go back through British history um, and sort of European. But why does it endure so? I mean, we talked about Davy, Davy Knowles, and how he got into it. And what is it that keeps drawing these youngsters into it? I don't think education has anything to do with it. I don't think class has anything to do with it. I think it is the minor pentatonic scale that has haunting, uh, vibrating notes that actually, oh, this sounds ridiculous, accord with the, uh, the body vibration. And once you get that in you, you feel it as it is. And so you go into a minor chord and you play that and then you follow it with a major chord and come back to the minor chord, there's that discordant feel that gives you the feeling of the blues. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fair, fair dues. Uh, dear listener... That's only my opinion. Th- there, are, there are subtitles on the podcast uh, that you might like to have a look at that go along with this, because there will be a podcast uh, at the end of the week. All right, get, I get all that, but I was thinking that maybe when a kid picks up a guitar and starts listening and then they're not going onto a computer to make music, they will generally go back in time for inspiration. Because if you're listening to all the music now, that's coming out now, new stuff, Mm. so much is prepared on a computer-based system, and the guitar is there, but it's very much an integral part of it. For pure guitar music, you're going to naturally, I think, gravitate back to something like the blues. Unless you play country um, or folk, um, and you could you you would say that folk music is there, but it's been developed out of bluegrass, out of blues. Everybody played guitars, didn't they? But they played probably more classical popular songs, which weren't minor pentatonic. So people, um, it, again, it's listening to it and hearing it, and it makes you react, and it makes you react in a way that gives it that blues feel. And that's why it's called the blues. Now, how important has Eric Clapton been to keep this genre alive? Huge, huge, absolutely huge. Um, I I don't think he gets the recognition he really deserves because although I don't know whether he's a difficult customer, he's been there ever since I remember and he's elevated it to a point where it's encompassed everybody. And his music is worldwide and famous. But he needs, he needs, I think it should be Sir. Yeah, well, it probably will be, I think. I hope it, well, I think it should it be. Will be. There's an honesty about Clapton, always has been. When I remember an interview years ago when he was said, what's it like being the best guitarist in the world? He said, don't ask me, ask Jimi Hendrix. Exactly. Yeah, well, that Quotes was, like that. Absolutely. You know, um, very but, honest. But he and Robert Cray are big pals. Yeah. And he knows that Robert Cray plays his way. And, he, and Robert Cray knows that Eric... Clapton plays his way so they work together and they get out of each other's way when it's time you know and I think that's something you've hit on there is the you cannot define somebody's style but you can hear them you can hear Robert Cray I can hear I can pick Clapton out of of dozens of guitarists and there he is and I can do that with you oh really oh what a shame no I can I can and I think that's Mr Best on that there Mm. he is yeah, so it is something. I mean, it's it's not just about the guitar and the amp. It's the fingers. It's the way you use the plectrum. It's, it's so many things, isn't it? Is, it? it is. That yeah. creates yeah. that. Well, that made Eric Clapton what he is. He had his settings on the amplifier and on his guitar, and he played in that 30, 
certain punchy, driven fashion where Robert Cray always plays out of phase and with a bit of chorus, but a lot of punch. Let's have another track. What's it going to be tonight? Smoking Gun. Smoking Gun. Talk us through this one. Well, Smoking Gun comes from Strong Persuader album, and it, which he produced in 86. And it was not so much a change, he just added a little bit more range in his songs. Because he could play a basic 12-bar blues and do something to it that you would think, gosh, what is that? But Smoking Gun is proof that he could take it wherever he wanted.
If you had to go for one album, and I know I didn't pressurise you, which album of Robert Cray would you have gone for? If you just chose, if you like Desert Island album, which one would you take? His first, really? ba- Bad Influence, because yeah. that, that's what really turned me on to him. The famous one is Phone Booth, yeah. and there are other ones in there that are just haunting. And he played it a different way. So going back to those very early days, and what was the first blues song that you mastered, would you say? I had got the thought that it might be Smokestack Lightning, but I thought again, and I have to say that it's Every Day I Have the Blues. Really? B.B. King. And you're still playing it? Uh, Yeah, I sing it the way I sing it, but B.B. King rocked it up, and a lot of people rock it up, but uh, you can play it slow, you can play it fast, but Every Day I Have the Blues. And it's still still in the Dickie Best repertoire. It's the first song the blues band plays wherever we gig. All right. Now, when you pick up a guitar, and I know you're a bit like me, you, you, you like like the odd guitar around you. <laughs> what are you looking for in terms of the feel of the thing? You just know when you pick it up yeah. and play it, and you play it down on the lower frets, and you play it on the upper frets, and if the upper frets answer the lower frets, you say, oh, this is a keeper. Then you go and see my mate Ken Mitchell, who is no more in terms of shop, um, and you try very and much do a alive. Deal. Very you much try... alive, however, Ken. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say he was passing over. No, no, but no. he definitely sold me a few guitars over yeah, here. The shop's gone. So that's great. Yeah. That's a great loss, actually. Yes, to, to it is. We we need somebody else to bite the bullet and get on with it. Yeah, who's carrying the torch forward in blues? I mean, we mentioned Davey because we got to because we love him. Yeah, uh, Davey Knowles definitely is working very hard in yeah. America. And what a job he did with the band of friends! Oh, unbelievable! With the Rory Gallagher if, thing. I, I was very close to buying a ticket and trying to get Mark Tiley to come to America with me, but he oh, was busy. Was he busy? Mm. He's hopeless. <laughs> yeah, because there's a Dutch guy that does it with the guys That's in right. he, Europe. He, and, he and, hasn't got Davey's voice. No, um, no, he and hasn't. I don't think he's got Davey's end skill because Dave is a good mechanic when it comes to finding the Rory Gallagher feel and he 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 did a great job on that I'd love to have seen him live yeah now listen I want to (laughs) don't embarrass you did you encourage Mr Knowles as a young lad very difficult not to uh Tony Knowles God rest his soul was a a big mate of mine and I met him at one of the first blues festivals when Davey was 14 and even at 14, he was ripping the neck off of the guitar. And I introduced myself to Tony, who actually lived in the same village, but we didn't know each other. And he said, oh, my son plays guitar. And I said, yeah, I've heard him. And so we did a few practice sessions, and I showed him some of my licks. And one of the famous stories that Davy tells is the fact that I asked him and, I, and, and said, who taught you all those chords, Davy?" And he said, you did, Dick, but I just play them twice as fast. <laughs> true story a very very yeah. nice story too Dickie it's been a fabulous week and exploring the work of Robert Cray has been great fun too so we got Davey in, in our sort of up and coming who else are you on looking out for at the moment uh, Lawrence Jones he's um, a very smooth uh, operator there's a, a lot of young guys coming up you know which is good because yeah. like every 20 years there's a resurgence of the blues because people still love four on the floor they like to tap their feet they like to dance and you know, and the blues can do that. Not all of the blues, but then, you know. So the genre is safe. I hope so. Good. Well, I hope so too. Let's have the final track of the week. What's it going to be? Uh, this is uh, from Robert Cray's 20 album, yeah. and it's called Poor Johnny. Talk me through it. And it's a story about a, a boy not doing what he should have done and 
not looking after his business and being caught out for it. Fair dues. Dick, it's been brilliant. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.
Poor Johnny from Robert Cray. Chosen for us by Dick, Dickie Best, Lord Richard to you, who was our guest most recently on Greatest Hits, choosing tracks for the classic album, or classic artist, really. More coming soon right here on the Greatest Hits guests podcasts from Your Manx Radio with me, Mark Tiley.